Butler here with episode 10 of the Inspires podcast. Last week, episode nine was so awesome. So if you missed it, please go back and listen to it. I got to have this incredible conversation with this amazing Christian business coach, Erin Harrigan. Harrigan, bless. I did not get her last name right this <laughs> last week. Uh, but she shared her insight on how to redefine hustle and escape overwhelm and overachievement. And man, <laughs> did I need to hear that message. Uh, I feel like I've definitely got to get more interviews scheduled because she said that last week, but sometimes you can only feel like maybe you're like one step ahead. And I absolutely feel like I am only one chapter ahead of you in trying to understand my calling and help you discover ways to find yours. <laughs> I do find some grace in the encouraged title of this series because these little messages are meant to put courage in you. And I've decided that it might be what I say that inspires you. Or it might be that it might just be because I'm fighting everything inside of me trying to convince me that I am not worthy to be saying anything and that I'm saying it anyway. So I just have to keep reminding myself that I'm not sharing this podcast for the 10,000 people who will never listen to it. I am sharing my heart for the one person who may not have the time to read Jordan Rainer's book, but needs to read it, but may have 10 to 20 minutes to listen to these podcasts. So here I am sitting with my recording devices again, sharing where I am in this crazy journey we all call life, searching for the treasure we must seek to find our purpose. So the last time I shared on the Encourage series was episode eight. And as a quick recap, we talked about the three things to know to find your calling. And basically I chatted about how you should use your passions more so as a guidepost to lead you to a career or a calling that may be well suited to use your God-given gifts. But to understand that happiness and joy and fulfillment didn't necessarily come just from finding a job that you thought you may love or the world told you like you should be doing or the church makes you believe is like the only way to glorify him, but more so developed when you find that vocation that you can do exceptionally well in the service of others. And then, and then that's when we find deep happiness and passion that is sustainable over the course of our career. So Jordan Rayner mentioned it in his book, Master of One, that he found that when he interviewed people who loved their jobs, they found joy in it because it was something that they excelled at and could do disproportionately well over other people. You remember me loving that word last week? Yeah, disproportionately. That thing that you are so good at, you don't even realize that you're much better than others because it comes so easily and so natural. Like that thing that you hear other people say like, wow, how did you do that? Or, whoo, I could never do that. Those are your God-given gifts. And I kind of left you at the end of that podcast with a realization of myself that I still don't feel like I know where or what my calling is exactly, but that I was in a unique space where I have formed some hypotheses and I'm currently testing them. Uh, when I was thinking about it, I felt like I really needed to clarify what that means in my life a little better, possibly to help you grow, or maybe just to speak my confusion into creation so I can open my heart and mind um, to receive some clarity. So here's where I am. I read the book by Jordan Rayner called To Create. This book got me all fired up to pursue some other passions that intersect with areas that I feel like I have some other pretty evident God-given gifts like in singing and speaking and mentoring and event design. 
specifically, event design specifically. Like this is ultimately where the Inspires platform originated and developed because what I wanted was to use the gifts that I had been given that I'd been putting on the shelf per se because I was pouring in my entire life into event planning, like generally speaking, gifts that I certainly have more of a passion for than just everything and only event planning. So I felt like Inspires was this great place to share what every gift had in common, which was the ability to inspire people through music, through training, through leadership development, through education, through speaking and coaching, and even through creativity in the special events that I design. But then I got started into his follow-up book, Master of One. And in the beginning of the book, it was like, you need to find your one thing. Like, <laughs> so I was like, wait, are you kidding me? Like, here you got me all jazzed up to create, to be this entrepreneur, to use my gifts and my passions to love and to serve others. But now you want me to not be a jack of all trades, but to be a master of one. How in the heck do I figure that out? So I was like, I was kind of bummed, like when I first read the first few chapters. And then of course, like Jordan Rayner always does, he like makes you think he's saying one thing and then he's like, ha, psych, this is what I really mean. And it's so much better than what you thought I was gonna say. And then he follows up with words like, and here's why, look at all these wonderful examples from the Bible. And like, look at these actual testaments from these super famous people that you know, but you didn't know this about them. So as I got into the book, he immediately made sure that he clarified what he meant when he said your one thing, like your one thing didn't necessarily mean that it had to be specific. It can be, but it could also be broad. So the one example that he used, um, that was actually really interesting to me, uh, because it was a name that I know, and I'm sure everyone else has probably heard it at least once in their lifetime, um, was C.S. Lewis. Now I feel like if I ask anyone listening to this podcast, like what you think his one thing was, you would probably say writing, right? Chronicles of Narnia, like we all know that series. Um, but Jordan actually interviewed his stepson, Douglas Gresham, and Douglas admitted that he wasn't sure that mastery as a writer was his primary thing, but he was really an amazing teacher. Like C.S. Lewis was an amazing teacher. Um, and one who became immensely popular through his writings because of his considerable teaching abilities. So teaching came first and writing was merely a means to that end. He was a teacher in practically everything he did. So again, your one thing can be specific or like C.S. Lewis could be broad. Jordan actually claims that his calling is entrepreneurship. Um, and that's a broad calling, but he knows he has God-given gifts in the field of starting up new businesses and helping them grow and be profitable. Um, and here he is writing a book. <laughs> but if you think about it, I only read like one of his books and here I am starting like three new businesses. So I don't know, he ain't wrong. <laughs> so I've been inspired. I started Inspires, the platform. And I've got these other endeavors like Invents, Informs, and Crosswinds, the John Maxwell training that are all ways that I want to inspire and share my passions and gifts with the world. Um, but I don't exactly know what my calling is. Like, only that I definitely think it's broad. <laughs> Jordan makes the statement that it's not being a jack of all trades um, that's problematic. It's when we fail to become a master of one that we squander our God-given gifts and passions. Ugh. So here I am, 
Is my calling to be an inspiration? I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just feel like that might be a little too broad. And then how in the world is that a humble calling? Like, hi, my name is Justin Cutler and my calling is to be an inspiration in your life. <laughs> oh, bless. Round and round my sweet little brain goes. But there were two things that I read in this book that I found were extremely helpful. And I think about like Aaron saying the piece about, you know, sometimes you read that Bible verse like a hundred times, but like on the hundred and first time you read it, you just hear it differently than you ever heard it before. Well, this happened to me uh, when Jordan inserted the parable of the sower from the book of Mark. Now, keep in mind that I've heard this parable a hundred times in church, but Jordan uses this story to relate to business and it just, I don't know, just opened my eyes in a way that I'd never looked at it before. Um, and it's short, so just in case you've never heard it, like I'm going to read it right out of the book. It's a passage. Um, it's from Mark 4, 3 through 8. Um, and it's Jesus. And he basically says, listen. I'm going to find it. I thought I had it up, but I don't. Okay, listen. <laughs> a farmer went out to sow a seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil, I can't say soil, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. So here's how we put this parable in terms of business. So much like the seed that fell along the path, some of our attempts to discover our one thing will fail right from the start. Like I remember when I was graduating college, I thought I was being called into the pharmaceutical sales world, uh, but I couldn't even get the interview. In fact, I think when I was um, in the middle of filling out the job applications, like in 2008, I came across a headline that one large pharmaceutical company, among many, but probably the one I was applying for, had just laid off 600 sales reps jobs just in the Charlotte area alone. Those seeds that I was planting failed right from the start. Two, most of our attempts to find our calling aren't total failures from the get-go. Much of the seed we sow in an attempt to discover our one thing falls along rocky or thorny soil, soil where fruit springs up quickly only to wither and die every time. And I actually feel like I've experienced that over the years in my event planning company. Like it's like every time I've tried to grow or hire or expand our services, something goes really well for a while, but then it withers and dies like usually quickly. Thanks COVID. No, but not just COVID. I mean, it's happened more times than I even care to admit. Like I can name at least five times I felt this way in events over the years. I mean, Invents has always been a profitable company, but it's almost like it's been stuck. And it's like, as hard as I try, it'll only reach a certain level of success. Three. So lastly, um, we have to sow many seeds in an attempt to find the most fertile soil in which to pour our time and energy. But as you search for your one thing, you have to be on the lookout for those early signs of divine multiplication. Jordan says, just like the crop, the miracle of divine multiplication is not seen overnight, but week by week, month by month, you should begin to see your seeds sprout, your sprouts blossom, and over time, your blossoms produce fruit at a rate that can only be explained by the grace of God. 
Um, and I just have to continue quoting him because he just, the words out of this man's mouth are just great. Um, but basically he says like, once you've found the soil that appears most likely to produce that kind of fruit, steward it well by pouring all you have into it. It wouldn't make much sense if after viewing the fruits of the initial sowing, the farmer in Jesus's parable chose to sow more seeds along the path on the rocky soil and in the thorns. After reaping the fruits of a good soil, any wise and responsible farmer would focus intensely on cultivating the most productive plot of land. Now, I know lots of farmers, so I know that statement is true. <laughs> Similarly, once you find the good soil in your own career, the spot where your passions, gifts, and opportunities are beginning to produce significant fruit, it's your responsibility to develop and nurture that soil, pursuing mastery of the work the Lord has created you to do. So, that's what I'm looking for. The place where my seeds are divinely multiplying. The process to find your calling is not going to happen overnight. Like, it's going to take some time. Like, I'm from the country. Like, ask any farmer how long it takes to plant and yield a crop. Like, months, probably. Like, certainly not days or weeks. So, the process of finding your one thing is to, now bear with me here, explore, choose, eliminate, and master. Now, <laughs> just in reading those, that seems like such a long process, like just in the steps it lists. But the last thing that I want to talk about today is my little guiding light as I realize I am just getting started in the explore part of this process. Um, and it's basically Jordan says his five principles of effective experimentation. So remember how I said I was at this place where I formed some hypothesis and I was testing them? Well, here is how I am experimenting. One, place little bets. For anyone in college, these would be like short-term internships or for us with careers already, like this would be like side hustles, like projects that fall outside of your job description. Well, check, check, and check. Event planning and design is already something that I'm doing professionally. So I'm not placing little bets there, but I am with crosswinds, like the band that I'm a member of and informs and certainly inspires. Um, two, embrace being a jack of all trades. Like, how do you know what you're supposed to do well and forever unless you explore as many options as you can? Um, I, <laughs> I always like to put this in terms of like finding my husband. Like I had to date a lot of guys to have that moment when I met Will that he was like, or that I was like, yes. Like, this is the one. Okay. And like, maybe that's not the best example, but it's true. Like, I've always told Will that I dated some really good guys. But when I met him, like, it was like he walked in and combined all the best qualities of every guy I'd ever dated into his one wonderful self. Like, I'll never forget after two weeks of hanging out with him that I was like, dang it, I'm going to have to marry that one. And I did. And it was the best decision that I've made to date besides rededicating my life to Christ. Three, and I love this one, fail fast. Coming from someone that thought she never failed and, and to be truthful here, like I knew things were not going as planned, but I just had a mindset that if I fixed it before anyone knew, like it wasn't really considered a failure. Um, 
But in my humility, I began accepting those failures and understanding that failure should be celebrated because of the tremendous learning opportunities that they can provide. So the faster I realize I'm failing, the sooner I can take in the valuable information I am learning and um, never do it again or do something different. And, you know, I love this. Like Jordan says, like risk should be celebrated and fear of failure should be minimized. I know people who won't even start because they are so afraid to fail. And now I'm like, you know, what a shame because they are missing out on such an incredible opportunity to learn and grow. But the other thing that I want to point out in this two word principle is the word fast, right? Fail fast. I'm a cycle girl. If I start something, oh, I have to finish it. Like Will says that I would ride a plane all the way to the crash site if it meant finishing the journey. And he's not wrong. Like, I don't know. It's got to be some kind of like OCD. Like I'm pretty sure it links back <laughs> somewhere in childhood when my parents wouldn't let me quit anything in the middle of the season. Like we quit after, but like not during, like we started something, we had to finish it. Um, and I think like I always do, I just took it to the next level and like all things in life. So whatever, but fail fast. Don't fasten your seatbelt. When you know the plane's going down, go strap on a daggum parachute, take what you've learned and move on to the next opportunity. Four, go where you will learn the most. Now, I really like this one because obviously like I'm a straight A, want to do it myself kind of girl. And you know, when, this basically means like to prioritize the speed of learning like over short-term income when you're still learning. <laughs> it actually makes me think of like my first year in business and in events. Um, I wanted to make all the money and we did. I got to pay $25,000 to the IRS to show how profitable a business I had. But after doing it all myself, learning everything from accounting to marketing to obviously all the areas of planning that I thought I had to handle because I was quote unquote an event planning company, uh, gaining 30 pounds in a six month period, like not having any friends or family, almost losing my marriage. Like I think about if I had just taken that $25,000 and went to a place, paid for that marketing, that accounting, like went to someone who knew more than I did. Um, I don't know, just hired another event planner to work with me in the office, like full time, like how much quickly I would have learned the things that I know now. No, Jessica couldn't go where she learned the most. She loves to do it the hard way every single time. <laughs> Lord, please help me get through that mentality. Like money's just money. You can always make more of it, but time, time is a limited resource and we cannot get any more of it once it's gone. So when you're experimenting, go where you will learn the most. Prioritize the speed of learning over short-term income when you're still trying to discern your calling. Like he says, the more quickly you learn, the sooner you'll be able to choose the work you can do masterfully well. And then lastly, five, keep your one thing in mind. Be on the lookout where seeds are starting to take root, grow, and show early signs of divine multiplication. Like, I think if I had actually been looking for the places and services in my event planning businesses, or in my event planning business, no, I don't have two, I have one, uh, that were divinely multiplying in the beginning, like, I wouldn't have been chasing all these tiny little groups to add a bin here or call a tour there, like, but I would have seen that when I designed an event, I fell in love with every design. Like I took pride in the customization and 
the creation that I was able to provide for each client that requested that service. But I wanted the money. I wanted to be the go-to girl. I wanted all the business. I wanted to be that yes girl. So instead of focusing on finding my real purpose, I just wrapped everything up in being everything to everyone. <laughs> yeah, no wonder when COVID wiped it out, I was lost. I hadn't kept the one thing in mind. So here I am again. When I read this chapter, I literally didn't even want to like keep reading because my heart was like, well, at least I know where I am on my GPS. So I'm not lost. I'm just at the beginning of the journey. And I have a feeling this part's going to take a, like a lot of time. So don't expect me to get into the other stuff for a little while because the beauty of this podcast is that you get to experiment with me. You get to take the risk alongside me and hopefully we'll learn something from each other along the way. Please, please, please feel free to share your thoughts or maybe just where you are on your journey on our Facebook or Instagram. And that's at jessmcutler.inspires, E-N-S-P-I-R-E-S. And as always, as we increase the in-crowd with intention, we want to be your source of encouragement, insight, and most of all, inspiration. Mm -hmm.